my mind, baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? Hey, it's always clear in the light of day. Hey, it's always clear in the light of day. Hey, it's always clear in the light of day. I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna put that on the top of the episode. Hello, and welcome back to another pulse-pounding, action-packed episode of the Gamesplaining Podcast. I, Eric Crosby, am joined by my co-host, Jake Clark, in a rip-roaring exploration of video games' darkest corners. Thoroughly entertained. Enjoy 10 out of 10. Amazing radio intro. Also a good, you know, a good, good intro for a very certain channel television, all in all. 11 out of 10 stars, am floored, pants <laughs> are wet, amazing. Well, let's hope the listeners give the same reaction. <laughs> hey, it's been a good time, all told. <laughs> I mean, with the singing at the beginning, how's that going to go at the end? Oh, yeah. I, uh, That's like the MC in the middle of the lounge. Oh, maybe we'll put the singing at the end. Maybe we'll leave it as a surprise. Ah, listeners, uh, should that greet you at the end of this episode, those are my mellifluous tones. <laughs> Don't blame me, he put them there. <laughs> Alright. We're joining you now for the first time in the same space, probably one of the only times, given that we live in different cities. Um, hmm. But we're now both post-double-vaxxed in the tail end of these pandemic times. By the time you're hearing this episode, who knows what the world will hold. But we're now joining you uh, for a very special, not live, but live to us in person broadcast of the Games Planning Podcast. Would you like to uh, give me your uh, your choice of game for this episode? All right, so I, I've got a, I've got a question for you. Which way do you want to break? Do you want it to go zany, or do you want it to go? I was gonna say either dark or weird, but zany or dark. Let's say dark. Zany or dark? Hmm. Which one would be more educational? Oh, that's hard to say. <laughs> because I think I think what I like most about the Bioshock episode, which is my favorite one we've done so far, is that we lean. A bit more into the intellectual tradition behind the work, which I think is fun. Zany in this case. Though. Okay, yes, yeah, I'm fine with that because I think uh, I think uh, having a few jokes in there won't hurt. So it's going to be amazing considering what uh, what we're talking about. But that would be uh, so. First one, deity. Deity. Okay. Of organized acrimony. Okay. Okay. I, I know what you're on about. All right. So this is a series of uh, of games from uh, PlayStation Three era, I think. Somewhat, uh, somewhat older now, but uh, you're talking, of course, about God of War. Yes. How did you know? <laughs> God of War is a zany franchise, that's for sure. I have played the newest God of War game, which I think is where you got the idea for the episode, as it's sitting on my shelf over there. It possibly might have been a line of sight thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been thinking about this a bit, because it was on your on. Um, we we we've kind of talked about it a little bit mm -hmm. before. Yeah. And. I've been reading the War Nerd Iliad, which is a, uh, a translation of the Iliad, I think a translation, by a guy named John Dolan, who used to write the War Nerd column for Exile mm -hmm. magazine. It's, it's a great character, uh, <laughs> although the degree to which it's a character is increasingly <laughs> minimal uh, with the podcast and so forth. But he's a very interesting guy, and the book is a very interesting look at a lot of these characters, particularly in the Greek pantheon. I don't, like. There's a part of it where it's like, Scholarship, considering, or scholarship, or like even creative, like not even, even scholarship and especially creative takes that will 
go at the Greek gods for different, let's just say, let's just mildly call it personality flaws. Yeah. <laughs> is not new, but it is quite rich. Yeah. Because the degree to which those gods have, I guess, very specific humanity and very multi-layered humanity is uh, quite a fun time to deal with. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why the Iliad is still, you know, people are still publishing translations of it. Mm. And that's the thing I find very interesting when we talk about God of War, which, as I'm aware, gets you to, to, to fight literal gods of war, then all of the gods, yeah. several times over. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to, instead of the Greek pantheon, instead focus on the Norse pantheon in this, in this particular episode, because the newest game, the one that I have played, and... You know, I'm aware of the other games. I know what happens in them. I know what they're about. I know how they play. I've played bits and pieces of them. But I think that the newest game has a lot more interesting content to talk about, uh, both from a narrative perspective and from games as a whole kind of perspective, the presentation of games as a medium. Really? The, the original trilogy of God of War is comically easy to explain and probably doesn't have a lot of merit discussing as any kind of an intellectual work. Uh, because it does lean into these, you know, obviously these Homeric themes and stuff like that. Uh, but it's still very much pulp action at the end of the day. It has character development, it has, you know, tragedy, but it's very much pulp tragedy where it's a guy loses his family and he uses his muscles to beat the shit out of the people that robbed him of his family. Right? This is what I wanted to get into, is yeah. like the, just the underlayer, well, overlayer too, of just bleak violence yeah. that yeah. is there. I mean, like, also, like, there's a lot of... The machismo at end. Like, I'm yeah. aware, as I'm aware, I don't know if this is, like, because I know Grand Theft Auto does this, something, because mm. there's a Wikipedia article on it, but, like, there's this thing in God of War, I'm told, I don't know if this is accurate, where you can do, um, the, there's some sexual escapades you can get yeah. up to. Is yeah. this, so that's the thing. Okay. Yeah. In, in the original trilogy, the Greek um, trilogy, yeah, there's, uh, Many games where you have to press buttons in time with Kratos's uh, well, hip swing uh, uh, movements. <laughs> nope. Cheers to that. <laughs> Salute. So yeah, so I think um, I think there's a lot more from the game perspective to discuss in the newer in the newer one, um, especially as it relates to television, and what I, I think you might get more out of as well. the The Greek stuff it it's there, but it's not nearly as um, dense of of a work. You know, it's 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 not literary the original trilogy where i would argue the new one it very much is and it is trying to evoke the sensation of fable and myth right whereas the original trilogy is much more pulp action with those themes but not you know recalling the sensation if, if that makes sense okay is that a progression from it then is it the same character you're playing it, it is the same character so god of war 2018 which is distinct from god of war the original they're both just called god of war but god of war 2018 being the most recent game in the franchise came out sometime after the last the last game in the franchise uh which i believe was a playstation portable game psp game but i'm not i'm not sure if i'm right about that anyhow the newest game does feature Kratos, the same character from the original games. Um, but in the in the beginning of the game, it's unclear if it's the same Kratos or not, or if it's more of a mythic Mad Max kind of character where it's a different, you know, it's a different person that is Kratos, but is going through a different story, and it's the same character, but a mythic character, right? I don't know who's but, crazier, uh, me or everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, throughout the narrative of the new game of God of War 2018... Uh, it becomes very, very clear that this is the same Kratos, and that he he was 
the same Kratos that killed Zeus, you know, killed the Greek pantheon, basically. Oh, so he and then killed left. the entire pantheon. Pretty much, yeah. He, he was oh. responsible for basically the apocalypse in the Greek world. After this, uh, how the game starts is that he is burying his wife, um, and he is with his son, Atreus. The original trilogy never featured any of these characters, but Atreus is a, a character from Greek myth, I believe. He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, he's named after His that kids do not do too well <laughs> uh, in the immediate context of the Iliad. We can get yeah. to that later, but yeah. that's a very uh, precipitous so, name. How old is the kid? Uh, oh, I think... I don't know if he's direct, if it's directly stated how old he is. I would... Guess he's around ten to twelve years old. Oh, so still, still a boy. Yeah, he's okay. a, he's a boy. Actually, that's the the kind of joke of the game's uh, release was that Kratos in the game often just simply refers to his son as boy throughout the game. He's got a very very deep deep uh, voice and uh, just boy. That uh, that's uh, that's the only way he doesn't call him Atreus very often, is and he is named after the the Greek character Atreus. It's not the same person. There's a, an odd thing this reminds me of is of all people another macho uh, individual Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. You know, because Teddy Teddy Roosevelt's first wife died and it broke him emotionally. Yeah. But the daughter he had with that wife Alice Roosevelt, who was famously famous uh, personality, mm. he could not refer to her as Alice because it was his wife's name because he right. just jammed it deep inside himself yeah and so he said yeah alan daughter daughter yeah he would he would call his his daughter daughter yeah which i imagine had no impact on further behavior i imagine that was just smooth sailing a very kind of similar situation in this game obviously not the name but it's very clear by the presentation of the beginning of this game that kratos has not been a present father to atreus it seems that we're actually seeing their first real interactions as father and son in this game, um, which becomes the main the main theme of the game is the interaction between a father and a son. And I think the game is actually deeply touching and affecting with the way it portrays the relationship between Kratos and Atreus as father and son, uh, because it begins with you know Kratos as this kind of absent father, very much the machismo you know aggressive sort you know who's always trying to tell his son you know. You gotta man up and, you know, fight against these problems, that kind of thing. But by the end of the game, you know, we see him become, you know, more vulnerable, more close to his son. We see him eventually, when Atreus' life is threatened, when he uh, he becomes, uh, becomes sick about two-thirds of the way through the game, we see Kratos cry for the first time we've ever seen him cry, I think. Or he might have been the original game. That might have been a that might have been a mistake on my part. But we see him basically break down, right? And we see this character who's a mythic figure, uh, on the verge of complete collapse because his son is in danger, right? And this it's, man who's killed gods. Yeah, yeah, killed hundreds of thousands of human beings too, right? And we see him humanized in this very deep and personal way. And so while it is the same Kratos from those old games in that literally it's the same character, he's obviously a different man now than he was when he did all of that. Because in this game, he's very much trying to teach his son Atreus that the gods are not good, but you can't just go around killing people to solve your problems. And Atreus kind of, you know, he sees what his father did. What his father did was go around killing all the gods to solve his problems. And so... Atreus eventually kills uh, Magni or Modi, one of the two. Is he a dwarf? Uh, not a dwarf. No, I, I think I might have misremembered the names of characters. He kills. He kills a, a god who is the brother of another god. I don't think they're dwarves though, because there are dwarves that are like your, yeah. There's a few. They're, they're smiths. Yeah, the smiths in the, the game. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So I think I might have misremembered the names. But anyways, it's very Tolkienish. 
Atreus kills one of the gods out of pure rage, pure pure hatred, right? And Kratos basically goes like, "Boy, what are you doing? You know, you can't you can't just kill somebody out of spite, right? You know, we see Atreus uh, go through this kind of you know, uh, Kratos doesn't initially tell Atreus that he's a god because Atreus is is born of a god, therefore is a god, right? And um, so Kratos Atreus, is a god. So. Yeah, Kratos is a god. He is the god of war. At this oh, point he is. He is the god of war because he kills Ares and takes his throne uh, at the end of the first game. What about uh, serious? So sorry, this is nitpicking, but uh, <laughs> Tyr. What Tyr? Tyr? Tyr. Tyr is gone at this point in in when the game takes place. Uh, for, I, for clarity, the reason I'm nitpicking is Tyr is. If I'm aware that the Norse the god, god of war. the Norse god of war, yeah, that, so that's in the game. So, so okay. Kratos, Kratos is the Greek god of war, but the way that the gods are portrayed in this oh, game okay. is, is they're they're humanized in the sense that you know the god of war is a title. It's not just it's not a single occupied position, right? Um, it's it's a title. Uh, and so anyhow, so Atreus, when he finds out he's a god, basically starts treating you know, mortals, like, dispensable, you know. Oh, we're gods. We don't have to worry about their petty squabbling. Yeah. And Kratos, again, has to go, boy, you can't do that. You know, you've got you've to gotta treat people with respect because, again, Kratos did not do this. He sacrificed thousands, hundreds of thousands of human lives uh, for his own quest for revenge, right? Eventually, Atreus comes to realize, you know, this is, you know, the better way. The kind of uh, pivotal twist of the game is that uh, we find out that... Uh, Atreus's mother was actually a frost giant, and that Atreus is not his real name. His real name is Loki, and that's where the game leaves you off. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, right. I think I think it's extremely. That's, extremely act, that's actually very clever. Mm. Oh wait, wait a second. I got I got some questions. So, I can't remember who Loki's father is. Is it in the in the Norse mythology? Somebody mm. probably will. Yeah. <laughs> some black metal enthusiast from Norway. Yeah. But the uh, I. Uh, that that's very interesting. Yeah. It's a very good twist. Yeah, I like it a lot. Sorry for anyone who was listening that that just got totally spoiled by that. Um, but if you clicked on this, you probably should uh, should have known by now. <laughs> so do do you kill gods in this game as well? Yeah, well, Atreus kill, does. You mentioned yes, and Kratos kills Balder, which uh, oh really? Yeah, which uh, obviously invokes the, the god of beauty. Is Balder the god of beauty? Kind of. So Loki kills him. No, wait. Does he kill Frey this way? There's mistletoe involved. Yeah. So that that's what happens. Yeah. Oh, so okay. So Atreus gets the mistletoe arrow, and yeah. That's uh, Loki. In uh, so Atreus shoots Balder. Not dead not directly. With... I'm trying to remember how exactly it turns out, but Balder hates Kratos and and basically is out for revenge against Kratos for some reason and Kratos doesn't want to kill Baldur for any reason and is actually friends with Freya uh, at the start of His the mother. game. Yeah. yeah. Essentially through a, the game Baldur becomes more and more Kratos and Atreus's enemy not least in part because of Atreus's own actions because of Loki's actions, right? And essentially Kratos is forced into a position where he has to kill Baldur or Atreus Loki will die. He's got to kill someone else's son to save his own son. Yeah. And the whole theme of parenthood comes together really brilliantly in that scene because we see, you know, Freya begging Kratos, you know, don't kill my son. Don't rob me of the only thing I have. And Kratos is like, well, now you know why I have to, that kind of thing, right? You know, I, I can't lose my son, so I have to kill yours. It kind of sets up Freya as being a, a more major villain in what will eventually be the rest of the Norse trilogy I imagine that is, you're making. That's very that's very Iliad ish mm -hmm. too. 
Mm-hmm. That's very much the kind of thing. Because a big theme in the Iliad is, well, in the Warner Iliad, this is almost a joke, which is that Achilles knows he's going to die. Yeah. Everyone else knows he's going to die. It really gets under his skin that everyone else knows he's going to die, and he has moments crying to his mother, mm-hmm. who's a sea goddess, saying, Why am I going to die, Mom? <laughs> it's like, well, oh, it's mistakes about dipping you in the river. Mm-hmm. Eh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Sorry, son. <laughs> There's that element to it. Yeah. Now imagine this case, so Balder is the villain, I guess. Yeah, that. yeah. He, he's kind of portrayed as being like the shit starter who doesn't know when to stop, right? And because of this shit starting attitude, he invokes Kratos and Atreus's wrath and uh, gets it, himself it, killed. It wasn't a, you know... It wasn't an assault, it was a prank, bro! Yeah, well, because <laughs> Balder... Uh, can't feel pain and can't die, and so he's constantly oh. seeking that. He's constantly seeking a fight that will actually challenge him. So that's why he shows up to fight Kratos at the beginning. Okay. I'm now recalling more details of the story. So he shows up to fight Kratos because he knows Kratos is a god and is like, maybe someone will finally challenge me. And uh, yeah, so the, he basically shows up to start shit and then. Did he you know, kill his wife? Did he kill Kratos' wife? No, I think she just dies. If not of natural causes, but because of some natural phenomena. I can't, I can't recall. But she doesn't die of any person killing her. Oh, okay, so... In the first in the first game, Kratos killed his first wife he, uh, by accident, but yeah, he killed his entire family by accident. Basically, Ares made him, made him kill his family. Like uh, Hercules, he goes insane, or...? Uh, no, it's through, uh, if I recall right, uh, it's just through, like, obfuscation and misdirection. They have, him, they have him seeing different people's faces. Yeah, some, something, something like, that. like that. It's some god trickery stuff. And yeah, that's what invokes Kratos' quest for revenge initially is that yeah. Ares basically makes him kill his family. And then Kratos obviously does not like that and uh, embarks on a quest for revenge, which eventually leads to him killing Zeus, his own his own father. And great scene in the, the Norse game, um, which is when Atreus and Kratos visit Helheim. Kratos begins seeing visions of uh, what he did to his own father, and Atreus basically realizing, oh, my father killed his father, so what does that mean for me? Is this just what gods do? Do they just kill their parents when well, they get mad? That's right? anomalous, because Zeus didn't kill Kronos, and Kronos mm-hmm. didn't kill Aranos. They probably couldn't have. Mm-hmm. So there's a thing where, I have a question about this, it's, it's a little bit of a strange one. Is there a thing, I mean, in this game specifically, because this game seems like it's more self-aware than the others, but... yeah. Very much so. <laughs> is there a thing where he's breaking cycles or breaking trajectories that are otherwise infinite? No, because I, they're kind of following fate, right? Because they're they're weaving the the threads of Norse mythology, you know. And um, Jormungandr is a, a prominent character in this game. Appears quite a few times, and Jormungandr obviously big snake. Yeah, yeah, has seen what becomes of you know the Norse world. He knows and, all time. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a time traveler. He knows what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And Jormungandr helps you uh, along in your journey. He's a horrifying character because he's this giant serpent uh, portrayed very frighteningly, I would say. And yet he is like a benevolent, uh, you know, helpful character on your journey, which I thought was a really cool aesthetic choice. Like making this helpful, kind character just horrifying. <laughs> like ter- terribly large and, and uh, yeah, cosmic kind of threat. <laughs> That is very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like weird, the very psychedelic stuff involved yeah. in all of this mythology. But in like, 
Norse mythology because like Odin gives up his eye to yeah. see all and he like he like drinks from the well which is all human existence what does that even mean man yeah. you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> there's a amazing st- is Odin a character actually I should I should have asked that off the top Odin uh, is not directly present in the story but his ravens observe you throughout the game you can get they're like a collectible item where you find you shoot his ravens basically you uh you take them out so that he can't watch you anymore <laughs> like security cameras yeah. and thor does not appear until the end of the game which i thought was an excellent like holding back you know they're they're saving him for later he he appears literally after the credits he shows up at Kratos' house and is like, okay, now you really fucked up, buddy. You killed my cousin, I yeah. think? Yeah, I, I don't cousin know or brother or something. No, I don't think they're Freyers, but... Yeah, I don't, no, no, not, not to Freyer, but to, to Balder. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his relation. And they're all incestuous fucks. They, you know. Well, there's a lot of that, too. I mean, that's the thing with... The fate element does remind me of the Iliad a bit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the incest, always, because there's a lot of that. Yeah. But the uh, in the Iliad, it's very bizarrely predestined there's actually a really weird couple books by by dan simmons ilium and olympus Mm. which are part of it involves the iliad but in a science fiction context and there's a lot of other things going on there's also a very extended reference to uh for ador or ardor by vladimir nabokov what's that it's a bizarre book by the guy who wrote lolita oh okay very good book though Mm. highly recommended I, i i do like it a lot also about incest, because these things loop around. All <laughs> yep. of it's a flat circle. It's all incest all the way down. <laughs> yeah. In in that one, they have a bit of a joke where it's like, what do you have to do to keep up the predestination? Which mm. is an interesting assumption on Dan Simmons' part. In the War Nerd Iliad, it's very much pointed out, at least as far as I've read, because I haven't finished reading the whole thing. But as far as I've read, it's like, well, they're just so much more powerful than you that... They can basically, their petty squabbles are your equivalent of a world order. <laughs> Which is kind of squares. Like, there's a famous scene in the Iliad where, um, uh, what is, so there's a few scenes of just people getting empowered by various gods to do things. Mm-hmm. And in one case, um, Diomedes, Diomedes is, uh, he's one of the Greeks, he's one of Odysseus's buddies, and some of the, like, plays about this, he and Odysseus are kind of sidekicks. Or not, not psychics, but like like uh, kind of almost like a buddy cop duo. Yeah. He's the, the bruiser of the two. Okay. And he gets empowered by Athena, and he gets made so powerful he can fight a literal god of war. He gets, he gets to fight Ares, and he also stabs uh, Aphrodite in her wrist, which mm-hmm. is what makes Ares very angry, because Ares is doing... Aphrodite's a big fan of the Trojans, Ares is shupping his aunt, so... You know, he's going to go in on their side. And you think having the God of War on your side would result in victory. Turns out, yeah. no, well, he wins <laughs> either way, really. But it, it, Diomedes manages to fight the God of War, among many others, and then win, kind of. I mean, in the Iliad, there's a bit of a question, does anybody <laughs> except Odysseus really win? Mm. We know Agamemnon doesn't, yeah. and that's the house of Atreus. But there's this thing where Diomedes is able to fight the God of War, but he's also a puppet as he does it. Like, mm. he's just... Athena gives him the power to do that. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where, reading it, the Iliad's written amazingly. Like, there's, like, the Bernard Fagel's translation is the one I had to read mm. in school, and that's really amazing. Like, it really goes. Mm. There's a lot of, uh, even when they're just listing ships from places, the momentum is really spectacular. Yeah. But they're just like, oh, wow, these are guys who are going to fight the gods. And one's like, hey, that guy's fighting a god. <laughs> At the end of the time, it's like, wild! <laughs> It's one of those things where it really does build to that a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. It's re- it's very gruesome. The scale is massive. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Very very much true of this as well. They what I think the new game at least does well is building tension very slowly but very deliberately because all of these transgressions, you know, Atreus mistakes of killing a god, you know, that kind of thing. They slowly build up and up, and Kratos keeps warning him, like, if we keep going down this path, you won't be able to turn back. But it's that feeling of predestination, like you say, because, you know, Loki is destined to do this stuff. And was he told to do any of this, I guess? Is no, that it's, it's just purely, like, rage, basically, that motivates him. It's just like how a child would be angry if they were slighted by somebody, right? Yeah. It's He's a kid, and he reacts like a kid would. It feels believable. Yeah, you're just early teenager you're just angry and horny all the time and yeah, you have, yeah. Uh, does he have a does he have a sword or a spear or he's a he's an archer he's oh a, oh right mistletoe arrow sorry yeah to yeah mistletoe yeah. arrow yeah there is another aspect of the game that i want to talk about that's less the literary themes and more the presentation which i think is something that's important to it as a, a work in the legacy of games um which is that god of war 2018 it, it falls into this kind of category of games that are trying to emulate uh, premium cable um, where it's very much shot like a television series. Huh. Um, it has these long scenes of just dialogue in an interesting environment, that kind of thing. And as well, the entire game is done in a single take. There's no camera cuts at all, which is very, very cool uh, as a style of presentation for a video game. It makes it feel very present, you know? Um, and it's used to wonderful effect. Um, they did a Birdman, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in, in the, the period of time in which Atreus is sick... And uh, Kratos realizes that if he's going to save his son, he's going to have to do some real shit. Um, there's this excellent long, long scene where a tra- uh, Kratos rows a rowboat all the way back to the beginning of the game from where you've gotten to at this point. You go all the way back. He opens up a hidden compartment below his home, and inside is the Blades of Chaos, which are the chain whip dagger weapons from the first game. And he takes off the bandages that are that have been around his arms the whole game, and you see the scars of where the chains once were. And he slowly wraps yeah. them back around as he realizes, you know, I'm gonna have to become what I was to save my son. And I that moment, the way that it's done all in a single shot, you know, there's no cuts, it doesn't skip any time. He goes through like a tunnel and he sees, you know, Athena and she speaks to him, and it's when it becomes clear that yes, this is the same Kratos, you know, that we've been with all along. This is the same Kratos that killed those gods. The presentation lends it such an incredible atmosphere. And it's, you know, other games like The Last of Us as well have done this format where they're emulating premium cable where there's kind of episodes and they've got this incredible, you know, style of camera work and stuff, heavy emphasis on character acting, that kind of thing. I think it's tremendous. <laughs> we will talk about The Last of Us at one point. I do have yeah. a question about Athena showing up. So sure. Does Athena like him? Uh-uh. No. Did she at one point? Yeah, she's she's more of a disappointed figure, I would say. Like, a disappointed mom is the way that she appears in this game. Did she have a hand in him killing the other gods? <laughs> there's a thing where... I feel like, um, yes, I feel like she did, actually. Yeah. My favorite line in the Warner Iliad is, uh, so it's John Dolan, as of yet, is de- de- describing the contest. So Paris, you know, the story of the Iliad, right? So mm. Paris, give the golden apple to either Hera, Athena, or Aphrodite. Who do right. you think is most beautiful? And the point of the chapter is Paris is an idiot because he gave it to the person who was actually most beautiful, but also the most 
impossibly useless choice you could have done. Yeah. Because Hera is the goddess of all, basically all civic governance. Mm. So you could have had every, every city in the world, which in a world of internecine violence and arranged marriages means you can have every woman in every city you own. Yeah. If you are Athena's friend, you have infinite military ability, you are possibly the smartest person on Earth, and the line is, a man named Alexander took her up on that offer a few years later, and mm. there's tons of cities named after him to this day. Yeah. Which is a great line to, to have put in there. Yeah. Because there's even the thing where it's like, that is the price of it. Because Alexander the Great died in ignominious or at least kind of bizarre circumstances. Yeah. But after he just, like, again, like, spread his name everywhere. Like, mm. there's an amazing thing, right? That, that's a joke in Watchmen, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I wonder that, because, that like, Athena is also Odysseus's patron. Yeah. Like, Athena is, because is, she's the goddess of wisdom, she's also the goddess of war. Right. And there's, so there's one god of war on the Greek side and one god on the Trojan side. It's, it's, it's a fun thing, you see. Yeah. Yes. It's a fun thing. Everyone murders each other. <laughs> you get a massacre. You get a massacre. You're in the massacre. Sucks to be you. You're in good company. There's a thing I wonder about that where I really suspect that if you were to kind of put this up, mm. if you were to pay, f figure someone who would usher in a, a massacre of the gods accidentally, but effectively, Athena would probably do it. Yeah, I, I think now, now that you're saying that, I do recall that she is kind of the player's guide, or at least helps you along in the original trilogy, like the Greek trilogy, so I do think you're right that she is... Like Odysseus. Yeah, like an, an aid to Kratos in his quest to, to destroy a to destroy the gods, to destroy Olympus, I guess, and eventually the whole Greek world. And but she thinks she'll become king after that. I, I, I think I think that's the tack, yeah. Because she's Zeus's child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's not what it is, I would be surprised. I, I feel like my memory is either either I'm recovering memories, satanic panic style, or that's what it is. <laughs> oh, well, that's, you know, it, like, if Athena is in your memories, like, flushing you through a yeah. toilet where you're then molested by one of your teachers, yeah. that'll uh, that'll happen. That is a <laughs> McMartin preschool trial joke, for the record. That is yeah. not QAnon theory. That is, a, that is a bit from the McMartin preschool. They're very preschool. similar. They're very, very similar. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. So, I think I have an idea of this. Is there anything else you want to mention about the, uh, the God of War, the, the Norse one? No, I think, I think that's most of what I wanted to get into. Yeah, the 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 kind of more personal approach and the uh, the television esque presentation. I think those are the two main things that I think cemented as a, a great work in in video games. Got two last questions for you. Yeah, is it a story about Kratos or is it about Atreus? Is it a coming of age story or is it a middle age story? That's a tough question to answer. I would maybe both. I would argue it's more Atreus's story. Because Kratos has already had his his tale, right? He's already had his hero's journey kind of story. Um, Atreus is the one that learns and grows by the end. But Kratos does as well. He learns to be a better father by the end. You know, he learns, you know, what it means to actually care for somebody. You know, because he, he cared for his wife, obviously. But, you know, there's a difference between romantic love and parental love. And that's the thing that he learns in the game is... How do you actually love somebody? You know, how do you how do you show them that? Um, there's a brilliant, brilliant scene. One of my favorite scenes in the game is near the very start when Atreus is um, he's crying and he's at the edge of this this cliff and the camera kind of beautifully pans behind Kratos and Atreus, looking over this beautiful landscape. And Atreus is crying and you see Kratos raise his hand to put it on Atreus's shoulder and then he stops and decides not to console his son, and. Atreus doesn't know. We see it because the camera's behind them. And I think that moment is just 
one of the most beautifully affecting visual representations of like a father-son relationship I've ever seen. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and you're still killing a lot of people through the game, for the record. A lot, a lot of Draugr, mostly. Giants, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, trolls. Uh, a few, your few probably is in Valkyries. You kill some Valkyries and stuff. Yeah. Oh, wild! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kill every single one. Well, that makes the Wagner a little more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think I've got a good impression of this because I was actually very different from the one I was thinking. Yeah. Because yeah. I've heard some things about like the God of War where it's like, yeah, man, you get to, you get to, you get to button mash sex yeah, games bone, and so uh, forth. Bone, yeah, bone yeah, cat, you get yeah. to. It uh, do the plow the whole paddock, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get um, this very affecting story. Yeah, about a father and a son, kind of like a, in two ways, a coming of age story. Yeah, it's it's very much a, a Fury Road kind of uh, like again comparing it to Mad Max, you know, a mythical figure. But yeah, it's very uh-huh. much a Fury Road to Thunderdome kind of parallel, right? I'm trying to figure out who's crazier, me or everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the microphone picked that one up, but that was... <laughs> that, I do love that line. Yeah, okay. That's. I have one last question. This yeah. didn't relate to the analysis at all. Uh, Freya. This is a weird thing about Freya. Mm. And this has to do with... Uh, do, does she have a carriage? And is it drawn by cats? No, she lives in a giant turtle. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it's I, pretty I, I don't have to improve on that. I just know that there's... Giant there's, tortoise, sorry. There's a cat called. Oh, that's very important. Yeah. Flippers or, or feet, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a there's these cats. They're called they're Norwegian forest cats. They look like a normal cat wearing a fur coat. Mm. Skugkatten or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they will chase after foxes. Mm. You know, things like that. And they will run straight up trees. And they draw Freya's carriage in the myth, which is just a, pretty amazing. I'm not a cat person, but it's like it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that. So I hope by. Uh, it's not what you were expecting, but I hope that was uh, enlightening or interesting for you and that, for the listener. <laughs> that was very interesting. You know, I, I always like this because I think that, I mean, I, I focus on the Greek myth a lot because I mean, like, I, I, I like when I was a wee lad, mm. there was a, there was a book of those myths going around. You know, yeah. like there, and mm. I, I remembered a lot of them. And then when we were, when we were both small, I imagine there was like uh, the the Percy Jackson series yes. among other things, yeah. which like was, God of War for kids. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm just trying to think of the best not well that uh, <laughs> I but I I realize that that is contextualized a lot of it for me and there's but you can do a lot with it it really yeah. is multifaceted there are as many of in polytheistic pantheons there's really as many iterations through our kinds of human beings yeah well and I think infinite the kind of impetus to take older games that were maybe in that you know that tradition of games as you know entertainment for boys you know like power fantasies and stuff, and make them into something greater than they were. I think that's very valuable, and I think it speaks to what other games could try to emulate, you know, other stories could try to emulate, you know, taking something old and probably, you know, not very dense thematically and making it into something better, new, and still preserving the characters, preserving the timeline. You don't have to erase it all to make it into something better. Call of Duty becomes a reflection on PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Spec Ops The Line is that... Maybe we'll talk about Spec Ops the Line. We may want to, because I gotta that's that a great be one. fun. Alright, that that's a teaser for next time. <laughs> I've been Jake Clark. Oh, are you not gonna summarize the game? Oh yeah, so <laughs> uh, let me re-summarize it. 
I'm, I've been Jake Clark, but this is what I think the uh, the game has gone. There is not a carriage run by cats. However, there is an awesome domicile inside a tortoise, <laughs> which seems pretty great, honestly. I, I yeah. really think that's that's the best way to have a mobile home. Yeah. The and essentially, it is a dual coming of age story based around, I guess, in Kratos's case, reflections on his backstory, and Atreus's case, becoming the god of mischief mm-hmm. in a way that is kind of predestined. It seems like they can't really escape it either way, despite what either one, well, what Kratos tries, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, pretty apt. I say, uh, I'd say this is another successful run. <laughs> All right, there we go. Okay, now, now you can sign off. Cheers. <laughs> I've been and still am Jake Clark. And uh, I was once Eric Crosby. Uh, bye. <laughs>